Uh, but for once, I, I am right on Palm Sunday, and we're going to talk about Palm Sunday um, this morning out of the book of Matthew, chapter 21. Somehow uh, my Bible ended up in Mark. Same chapter, probably could have read it. It's pretty close to the same. Um, but Matthew chapter 21, and if you have your Bibles, turn there. But I want us to think about uh, the cry of Hosanna. And the cry of Hosanna, uh, when we start to think about God, right? And, and this series, is, as Haley told you in the beginning, is, is focused and entitled uh, um, Think, Not Thank. Right. I got And, you know, I've got that southern thing going on. So I got to work on that. Right. Not thank. Right. But think you with me. Right. So we want to talk to you about think God. And in order to think God, we have to bring ourselves from the precepts and the ideas of how we live. Right. Because we live our lives focused on what we know. We live our lives focused on tangible things that we can look at and we can say, well, this clearly is this. Right. And, and if we're not careful, we will begin to live and think based upon the things that are seen and the things that are proven to us. And, and ultimately, I believe that's what happened during the, the Holy Week. Right. The people were so oppressed. They were so oppressed. They were put down politically. They were put down financially. They were put down spiritually in every way. The people were pushed and held down by figures above them that had obtained all of the power and all of the rule. And because of that, they feel like they didn't have a voice and they felt like they didn't have hope. And so along comes Jesus, who begins to work all of these miracles and begins to do all of these things and begins to work on the behalf of the people, stopping to heal, stopping to save, touching the leper, on and on and on and on again. Jesus moved and did the things that were unthinkable and began to touch lives, excuse me, began to touch lives in ways that they hadn't been touched in years because he came with humility and he came with love and he came with hope and he began to minister that hope and he began to minister that love and he began to minister that humility to people. And people resonated with that because it was leadership that they hadn't seen. It was leadership that they hadn't felt. It was leadership that had not impacted their life. And it began to touch them and it began to inspire them. And it began it within them to want more of this kind of hope and this kind of want. Of a leader and a, and a, and a lover and, and a Messiah all wrapped up in one who would stop and take the time and love them and minister to them and, and usher in the very hope of God's gospel and the kingdom of heaven. They had never seen anyone speak with such authority. They had never seen anyone with power and control over affliction like he had. And they had never known anyone who could bring them into the presence of God like Jesus did. And the reason for all of that it's because Jesus' thoughts, Jesus' heart, Jesus' motivation, everything about him centered on the Father. And because it centered on the Father, Jesus thinked 
Okay, Maduro, bear with me. I know that's not grammatically correct, right? But we're, but we're working something here, okay? Jesus thinked God. His heart and his afflictions were always turned toward what God wanted, toward what God needed, and toward what God was trying to usher in toward man. And because of this, the people were stirred. And the people began to believe that their oppression would end. They began to believe that that things would change. They began to think God themselves. But did they really think God? I tend to think, because we all know how the story ends, we, I, I think they began to think me. They began to think me. Here comes Jesus. And what did they cry? What does Hosanna mean? It means save us. Save us. And we're going to take you to Psalm 118, where that's first introduced to us. And in Psalm 118, it, it, the cry comes out from the psalmist to say that we, we have endured all of these things. So save us. And so the cries of Hosanna weren't thinking God. The cries of Hosanna weren't established on who they saw Jesus to be in his likeness with the Father. It was all about who they saw Jesus to be in his deliverance of them. Right? They weren't thinking about a cross And they weren't thinking uh, about uh, heavenly things. They weren't even focused on the kingdom of heaven. What they were focused on is that Jesus was going to come and kick everybody's butt they didn't like. Right? They weren't thinking God. You with me? They weren't thinking God. They were thinking self. They were thinking, what works for me in this situation? What works for me in this environment? What can Jesus do for me? Not realizing and not understanding that what Jesus was ultimately going to do would would remove oppression from them for the rest of their lives. Might they be politically oppressed? Yes. Might they be financially oppressed? Yes. Might they be uh, spiritually or, or religiously oppressed? Yes. But they would never be spiritually oppressed again. And you see, so many of us look at what we see We focus on what we see. We focus on the things that are alive and the things that are real and the things that are tangible. And we think on those things. We focus on those things. We live out those things. And we never truly think God to begin to understand and begin to believe what God is trying to usher into us. And for us to really appreciate our salvation for us to really appreciate the sacrifice that was paid on the cross of Calvary, for us to really buy in to all that Jesus is and want to live a life pleasing and acceptable unto him, we got to think God. we got to put self, and we got to put want, and we got to put me aside. Because if not, we'll be just like this crowd. And when we get what we want, we'll clap our hands and we'll throw down our coats and we'll wave some leaves and we'll cry Hosanna, right? But when we don't get what we want, well, we don't think about God a whole lot then, do we? 
We don't, we don't wave palm leaves and throw our coats down and cry Hosanna on those days, do we? Amen? Let me, let me get to the scripture or we'll be here all day. We might anyway, all right? So we might anyway, so bear with me. The rain got my hair all crazy and I had to hold my, use my glasses to hold it up. So it's going to fall down and look stupid now, but that's okay. So Jesus comes in to this moment of Scripture, and he, and he does this. And when, and when they drew nigh to Jerusalem and were to Bethphage, under the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send at them. Now think about that. All right, let's just stop there for a second. If someone shows up on my property, comes through my gate, walks up my driveway, and, and if, I had, if I had donkeys, I don't, right? But if I had donkeys, they started grabbing my donkeys and walking away with them. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I might have the old nine mills say me like, whoa, 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 stop, right? Stop. And that would all be well and good, but when they look at me and they say, the Lord hath need, how would I respond then? The reality is, this isn't the first time Jesus had shown up. This isn't the first time that people had seen Jesus, and this isn't the first time people had seen his disciples. So knowing that these are the guys that traveled with Jesus, knowing that these are the guys that Jesus was with, Jesus trusted the Spirit and trusted the willingness of the person to serve and provide the donkeys. And when they heard, the Lord hath need, they said, okay. Right? So it is up to us to put ourselves in the position and in the place with people in our lives that we can trust spiritually. Amen? I'm not talking worldly. I'm not talking gossip circles. I'm not talking chaos and mayhem. Amen? And those of you that know me well know that I'm usually going to walk away from that kind of stuff. I don't do chaos. I don't do drama. I don't do playdates. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a straight shooter. You want to be crazy and, and, and walk around in melodrama your whole life? Be it, because I ain't. Right? Because I will call that stuff out in a blink. Y'all right with that? Huh? So here's, here's the reality. It is up to us to know what God is doing. It is up to us to know how God is working. It is up to us to test the spirits and thank God and know how God works and know how God moves. How do we do that? Amen. It was kind of like Thomas in that day in the upper room. What do you mean, Lord, we know the way? What do you mean we know the way? You're going away to prepare a place? What, what the heck are you talking about, Jesus? How do I know where you're going? Jesus had been laying it down since he got here. But they were so caught up in the stuff. They were so caught up 
in the moment, they were so caught up in the crowds and they were so caught up in the popularity and they were so caught up in all the stuff that they never really truly understood what Jesus had been teaching them because they weren't thinking God, they were thinking self. And so when God began to lay these things down through Jesus Christ, they're kind of, th- I imagine their road, their, their walk on the way to get the donkeys was kind of like, what's he mean this guy's just going to give us a donkey? What's he mean? I, I just say the Lord hath need of it, right? We're going to get killed. Someone's going to hit us over the head with a shovel. Because they didn't have back then, Dwight. Right? Somebody's going to hit us over the head with a shovel or a pitchfork or something crazy is going to go on. What do you mean the Lord hath need of it? Right? What I appreciate, what I respect is they went. They went because they had seen him do miracles before. They had seen him work in marvelous ways before, and they went. And so they got these donkeys, this donkey and the colt, and they brought it back to Jesus. Amen? Just like Jesus had said would happen. And I I think it's important that we understand that that God authors things and God puts things into our hand according to his purposes and and not our own. And when we listen and when we pay attention to that, we will see him do marvelous things. Verse 4, all this was done that it might be fulfilled from the book of Zechariah, which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, and a, and a colt, the fowl of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put them on their clothes, and they set him thereon. I kind of have, have to wonder what they were thinking. Right? The disciples. They took their clothes and they, they put them on, on the donkeys and, and they prepared it with what they had on them. We know they didn't have much. We know they, they left their homes, they left their businesses, they left everything to follow Jesus and to be a disciple. And, and we know that often they, they lived off of, of what was given to them along the way. Because repeatedly it's, we're told that Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. And, and so we know that they didn't have much to offer. But I imagine someone in the group somewhere had to say, God, guys, number one, it's crazy he's riding a donkey in, into Jerusalem. But, but we can't let him ride on it with bare back. We can't let the dirt and we can't let the, the, the stench of the work of this animal impede him. He's the Lord. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the one we've been waiting for. And, and somewhere in that conversation, there had to be this element of someone. We don't know who. Scripture doesn't tell us. But, but as God showed it to me, there had to be somebody saying, man, we, we got to think deeper and we got to think further and we got to think more holy than this because this is Jesus. And we can't let him ride in like this. And so they took their clothes and they, they draped it over the donkey. And, and Jesus went and Jesus walked in, and I believe it set an example for the crowd, and the crowd then began to take their coats and throw their coats in the streets so that he would walk along the streets, and they, they waved the palm trees, and they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, Lord. But I want you to see how, how they did it. Verse 6, and the disciples went and, was, and did as Jesus commanded and brought, oh, I've already done that. Um, verse 8, And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and followed cried, saying, 
Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when this was come, and when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. The prophet of Galilee. They sensed the presence of God. They sensed the coming of God through Jesus. But they called him a prophet. They called him one like they had known before, right? 300 years before uh, the prophet Malachi ministered to the earth. This is what they knew. This is what they were familiar with. This is what they had learned. And this is what they had been taught. They had never come to a place to where a Messiah would present themselves. And they would begin to think of him as the one who would redeem all mankind and for all time. And bring us into the presence of God. A lot of that because of the religious oppression that they were enduring. Right? It's why when Jesus went into the temples to, to teach and, and began to speak to the, to the crowds, they were, like, they were amazed. They were in wonder at his authority because no one had ever spoken to them in the authority of God before. They had spoke to them in the authority of man. They had spoke to them according to what they had learned or what they had even manipulated, Matthew 15, what they had manipulated to be the commandments of men. Right? I'm going to be honest with you. Do you know how, that how most churches run themselves today? Do you know that, that the bylaws and Robert's Rules of Orders and all of those things are man-created and can't be found in Scripture? This is what we allow of authority over us because we don't think God. We don't think that God has the ability to move and appoint and nurture and empower the way that he did back when they built the early church, right? When, 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 when the early church was built, Paul appointed pastors and Paul appointed men that had proven themselves to be what? Spiritual. Spiritual. Not dotted I's and cross T's and X's and O's and, and, and this and that and the other, but people who heard from God, people who thought about God, people who centered on him day and night, people who heard his voice and responded. Amen. We're so far away from that kind, that kind of church. We're so far away from that kind of spiritual leadership today that we can't understand it when God begins to move somewhere. And much like the crowd, much like these who would thank God, much like these who would, would do what everyone else did, amen? We might have cried Hosanna, but it didn't take very long before we were crying crucify. Right? And God calls us to something more, but for us to go there, and that's what I really want us to focus on this morning. For us to go there, we got to give up all this man-made stuff. we got to give up all of these man-made ideas and all of these traditional things. I'm not saying tradition is bad. I love the hymns. I'm the one that brought up to these guys, you need to start singing hymns, 
right? Because I love the old stuff, and I love the church, and I love the tradition, right? But I am not going to allow it to rule me when God is moving today and not 50 years ago, right? He's moving right now. He's working right now. He's changing lives right now. He's touching people right now. He's saving addicts right now. He's restoring homes right now. He's doing things in homes right now that we can't fathom and we can't imagine because of the authority of heaven. Because someone said, I'm going to think about a Savior. I'm going to think about a God who is holy and above all the of this I am going to rest on him and because I'm going to rest on him he will redeem he will redeem what the world has tried to take amen oh let's have church huh let's have church amen and the way for us to have church is to think think God Think on him. Meditate on him. Pursue his word. Amen? Pursue his word. Amen? The, the Methodist Association. I, I know we could, we could say a whole lot of things there, and I'm not. I have friends who are Methodists. But the Methodist Association did a research study about 10 years ago. About 10 years ago, they did a study. And they evaluated their their teachers, of their children. You know, and I, I don't know, I don't remember all the ages or whatever, but I read this. And they evaluated their teachers, and they videotaped them. And they were up front saying, you know, for, for security reasons, for pastor to, to uh, oversee and everything else like that, we're going to start videoing. While it goes on here, it protects you, it protects church, and so on. So they took these videos, and they reviewed them. And they found that when it came to scriptural content, things that were being taught as scriptural content, over 40% of those teachings didn't even exist in the Word of God. Didn't even exist. Couldn't be found. Now, I'm not saying maybe, maybe okay, we, we could all cast a stone at the Methodists and say, man, y'all stink. Right, but I, I would guess, I would guess if that was done just about anywhere, it would prove to be the same. Why? Because we have grown in tradition. We have taken for granted what we've been told, and we have never truly ourselves dug in to God at the level we need to dig into God. Amen. As I was considering the, the, the series about the plan and 2021, the plan, and all of the different things that we covered and talked about uh, in that series, that's when it became evident to me to know that, you know what, there's probably a lot of people that don't even know the promises. They don't even know and they don't even understand and it's not even on their lips and on their tongue what God has the power and the promises and the blessings that God has endowed them with. So you know what, we're going to start reading them. We're going to start reading them. We're going to get up in front of the church on Sunday mornings, and we're going to read that stuff because we need to know it. 
Not only do we need to know it, we need to learn it. Not only do we need to learn it, but man, it needs to be on our lips. It needs to be on our tongues. Amen. And we need to start walking in it. We need to start prophesying it over our homes, prophesying it over our businesses, prophesying it over the streets and the communities and our next door neighbors and the strangers we walk across in the street. When we start living in that power and we start living in that authority, God is going to take attention and God is going to move in us and through us and do the things of heaven. But as long as we're wandering around in our own little world, doing our own little thing, creating our own little drama, we're always going to find ourselves absent from what God is really doing. Amen? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you in this message to do something that probably no pastor has ever done on Palm Sunday before. I'm going to challenge you not to wave your palm leaves. I'm going to challenge you not to cry Hosanna. Amen? Because we see the falsehood. We see that in a mere week, the political and religious oppression had caused the same people to cry crucify. I don't want you to be that. I don't want you to be that. Instead, I am going to encourage you that in your cry to him, in your call out to him to save you, I am going to encourage you to think on him day and night. I'm going to encourage you to get in his word and know who he is and know what he has promised you. And if you're going to clothe anything, don't clothe a donkey. Clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself with who he is and what he is. The humility and the love and the sacrifice that he embodied in front of me and embodied in front of you. I'm going to challenge you to make that your palm leaf. Make that your palm leaf. Humility, love, sacrifice. Amen. You want to wave something around on Sunday morning? Wave that. Huh? Oh, my intercessor, my intercessor reached out to me this week, and I think she, she, she said to me, God's saying that you're going to have a boldness these next three weeks, and I am praying it all over you, and there is evidence this morning. Amen? Love, humility, and sacrifice. You want to wave something? Let's wave that. Amen. I'm not, I'm not throwing that on you like a, like a, like a saddle and like a bridle. Amen? But I'm saying let's do it together. Let's, let's walk in that together. Let's think on that together. Let, let's, let's come together and pray about ways that we can live that out in this church. Not be held by the same religious garbage that they were held by. But instead that we embody the presence and the power of Jesus Christ in this place. Or that place or wherever we end up next. Right? Because we're clearly outgrowing this. Right? So let's embody what Jesus came and what Jesus brought. Amen? Let's ride our donkeys and be thankful. Let's ride our donkeys and be thankful. Let's ride, let's ride our donkeys and praise the Lord. Let's ride our donkeys and encourage people that you don't need all of these other things that you're told you need to worship the Lord, but you just need Jesus. And, and, and we, we got him going on here, right? 
Let's embody that. Let's live that. Let's wave that. Amen. It's exactly what Peter did. Exactly what Peter did outside the gate. All the church folk, all the religious passed the beggar by, walked on in. No, no, no. That doesn't measure up to, to, to my level. That doesn't measure up to who I am. Amen. But in the same body and in the same form of Jesus Christ, Peter stopped. And Peter engaged the beggar. And he said, look, silver and gold. Silver and gold, I don't have. I can't help, I can't help your physical situation. I can't help put money in your pockets. But what I got. Oh, y'all ain't listening to me. Huh? But what I got. What I got. Amen. I'm thinking on God a little bit. Amen. What I got. I'm meditating on him day and night. What I got. Amen. I am loving and I am living in humility and I am sacrificing for him in all that I am. What I got. I will give you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, this is good stuff. Y'all missing it, huh? Listen, Jesus. What I got is Jesus. What I got is God. What I got is a kingdom living inside of me that surpasses the things of this life. What I got, I will give you in the name of Jesus Christ. And that guy jumped up and he ran into the temple and he began to dance. Amen. He began to dance. And all the religious who passed him by were like, hey, isn't that weirdo? Isn't that that weird? I'm sure they had a name for him by now, right? Because that's what religious people do, right? They point out, they, they accuse, they, they judge before they know the story, right? And everything. Isn't that, isn't that the weirdo outside the gate? Hey, man, what's he doing up in here running around? He must have been fooling us all along, right? You can hear him now, right? Uh, the, the, the grumpy one said, he must have been fooling us all along. I gave him a quarter five years ago. I wasted that quarter. Huh? No, he got Jesus. He got Jesus because some chose to think about God. Some chose to, to think, what would God do? What would Jesus do? How, how would the power of God work in his life if I stopped and engage him for just a minute. Amen. I've always said that's why he touched the leper. You've heard me say that. Amen. That's why he touched the leper. Because he didn't care about the leprosy. He, he could have coughed and made the leprosy go. Amen. He cared about the man. He cared about the man. There are people all around us. People going through the worst of things. People enduring heartache and heartbreak. People who are indifferent from those even closest to them. And suffering on the inside. And we just walk on by because we don't thank God. We don't think how Jesus thinks. And we don't do what Jesus does. And as long as we stay in that place, we will always go from Hosanna to crucify. We will always operate in that same place manner as they did then you can sit there and tell me all day long nope 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 but i guarantee you within a few months we will have a conversation somewhere along the way and i'm gonna be like "Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm amen because we don't think 
on him. We are not possessed with him. Amen? The way Jesus was. The way Jesus was. Everything Jesus embodied here on earth was about the Father. It wasn't about me, and it wasn't about you. Was he my Savior? Absolutely. But he was my Savior because he carried out what Father wanted. He carried out the kingdom of heaven here. He brought to us the very throne of God in himself. And he ensured that that veil was rent so that we would be able to have access forever and ever. I'm getting to next week's message now. But listen, for us, to, from us to go from where we are to where he is, we got to think on him. And we have to choose him over me. We have to choose him over what I want. We have to choose him over what we're window shopping 24-7. Amen. And I'm not, I'm not talking about whatever's going on at the, at the store right? I'm not talking about whatever this week's sell ad is, amen? But I'm talking about the lust and the desires of our heart that lead us astray from where he really is. Because in the end, it were those lusts and it was those desires and it was the real, listen, listen, it was the realization that they weren't going to get what they wanted. Did you hear me? It was the realization that they weren't going to get what they wanted that turned their hosannas into crucify. Right? And so as long as we're window shopping this world, and as long as we are focused on, on this world, and as long as we're wanting some part or element of this world, even in the midst of religion, our hosannas can turn into crucify. So that's why I don't want you to wave your palm leaf. That's, what you, that's why I want you to wave who you are. And I want you to wave what you are. And I want you to wave all that he intends for you to be this holy week. Wave your heart and wave your mind and wave your body and wave your goals and wave, wave everything about you and declare it wholly under him and wave it as a sacrifice for him because ultimately that's what he chooses to ride on. That's what he wants to ride on. Psalm 118. Psalm 118. I know, honey, I didn't get to all of this, but that's okay. God got there the way he wanted to. Psalm 118, starting at verse 19. It says, Open to me the gates of righteousness. Open to me the gates of righteousness. Now, it's believed that David maybe wrote this, but that it can't be proven, so most Bibles will tell you it's anonymous. But, but whoever the writer is, is looking within himself and he's looking within the world and he's understanding that what he really needs doesn't exist here. It doesn't exist. I need something more than, than religion. I need something more than politics. I need, something, I need something more than money. I need something more than the car in the driveway. I need the blessings. Amen. That's kind of how God got us here. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I need something more than what this world can give me. 
And so what does, he, what does he say as he laments the first half of that psalm? He comes to verse 19 and he says, Open to me the gates of righteousness. Do, do you get that? I mean, that is powerful, right? That is a moment of, of holy crap. Right? That's a holy crap Bible moment, right? Because someone realizes that there's something bigger than what we see. There's something deeper than what we know. There's something beyond my comprehension. There's something that I see as a glass darkly, but God has so much more that I comprehend and that I realize. So I am asking God right here to open the gates of his righteousness, the gates of his power, the gates of his holiness, the gates of his love, the gates of his, of his sacrifice, the gates of his humility. I am asking God to open to me everything that he is and everything that he has. And I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. I will go into his holiness. I will go into his depths. I will go into to all of those things, his humility and his sacrifice and his love. I will go into that righteousness. And I will praise him. And I will exalt him. I will choose him over the world. I will choose him over the stuff. I will choose him over all of these things. Even if I don't get here what I want because it's not about here anyway. Amen? I will choose his gates and I will choose his righteousness and I will step into it. Amen? Who's going to step into it? Who's going to step into what God's laying down? Amen? Who's going to step into it? What are you going to wave? You're going to wave palm leaves and coats? Or are you going to wave every piece of you? Everything inside of you are going to are you going to lay down all of the sin and you're going to lay down all of all of the pain and you're going to lay down all of the shame and you're going to lay, lay down all of the stuff that separates you from him because he never intended you to live separated ever again. He intended you for, to live in sync with him from now on. Open the gates of your righteousness and I will come in. I will come to you. And I will live like that. And I will let it be. I will let it be who I am. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. Amen. There are people, people who sit in churches every Sunday. They enjoy, they enjoy the entertainment, they enjoy, and I'm not saying the entertainment's bad, okay, so don't put words in my mouth, but they enjoy what's put together for them on stage, and they exist in what's put together on stage, and then they go back to their week. I'm asking you to do more. I am challenging you to do more. I am asking you to beg for the gates of righteousness to open and to step into it and to live it and let it consume you and let it take you into the power and into the glory of who Jesus really is. Amen. I'm talking about something earth shaking and groundbreaking, something that people will fear because they don't understand it. They don't comprehend it and they can't have 
they can't have something that they can't control. Right? You see, that's what a lot of people have problem with the power of God moving and working. It's because, oh, I've lost control. We can't have that. Let's shut it down. Amen? I told you, boldness. Listen. This is the Lord's doing. Grab this verse. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. It is beyond anything I could have thought, anything I could have dreamt, anything, any, anything I could have written down, anything that I, I couldn't have put this together as crazy awesome as this is, right? That, that's what the psalmist is saying. It is marvelous in my eyes. And it is God. It is all God. It is everything about God. This is the day. Amen. We've, we've quoted this verse. We've quoted this verse most of our lives, and we don't even know why. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We don't know why. Amen. We're having a bad day. What, what, what? Google bad day scriptures. Oh, this is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Yeah. Right? It don't get no more religious than that. Amen. I love you. I'm being honest with you because I love you. Amen. So, so if I'm going to rejoice, I need to know why I'm rejoicing. Why am I rejoicing? Because God opened the gates of righteousness. Huh? God opened the gates of righteousness. And guess what? I stepped in and he's poured it all over me. I will rejoice. Amen. I will rejoice. I will tell my bad day to get behind me because I'm riding. I'm riding on a donkey with Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of you wouldn't ride on a donkey if God himself stood here and told you to. Amen. Might be kind of hard getting on. I grew up on a farm. It ain't easy. Amen. But I guess God could work that out. Listen. Listen. This is his day. This is his moment. This is his opportunity for you to step into everything that he has. You want to rejoice and be glad? You want to rejoice and be glad? You want to overcome the pain and all, all, all of the things that this life has dealt you? Amen? Ask him to open the gates of righteousness and step in. Think God, think him, think everything about him and let it consume you so that the fires of this world don't. Huh? Did you hear me? Let, let him consume you. Think on him and let it consume you so the fires of this world don't. You want to know Shadrach, why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't burn up? Some of y'all are going to say because Jesus was in the fire. Yeah, he was in the fire, but why was he in the fire? He was in the fire because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had stepped into the gates of righteousness. And the power of God adorned itself on that place and said, no, 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 not these boys. Not these boys. My power, my power, my glory, my righteousness will prevail. Why? Because they're thinking. They're thinking on me. Huh? They're willing to sacrifice it all. For me. And I'm going to show you who's in charge. And the fire didn't consume. It consumed everybody else. Everything else. But it didn't consume them. 
And my favorite part is they danced with Jesus in the middle of it. Amen. You ever find what someone meant for your, for your evil? What somebody meant for, to do you harm? And God turns it to good right in front of them? And you just do a little with Jesus fire dance? Amen. Huh? You just do a little Jesus fire dance? Amen. Not, 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 not vindictive, because there ain't nothing righteous about being vindictive. But I'm thinking you're, you're, in, a, you're in a pit you're in a place of misery. You're in a place of destruction that was meant to destroy you. Huh? And Jesus shows up because you're focused on him. You're not focused on anything else. You're focused on him. Jesus shows up and you do a little dance and the Nebuchadnezzars are out there going, oh, crap. Well, that didn't work out like we planned. Huh? Huh? Listen, you want to know why we're not dancing with Jesus? Number one, we're not in the fire, but number two, we haven't chosen to step through the gates of righteousness. We haven't chosen to step through the gates of righteousness. Save now, verse 25. Save now. This is where Hosanna, this is where the cry of Hosanna comes from. Save now. Save us, Lord. I beseech thee. Hosanna. Hosanna. That's what this means. Same interpretation. Save us, Lord. I beseech thee, send now prosperity. You see, even in their prayer, even in their cry out, we cry, we cry for the things of this world. They cried for prosperity, amen? And don't let some guy in a million-dollar suit tell you, tell you that this is God's goal, amen? Now listen, God adds to. I'm not saying God doesn't add to. God adds to, but what does he tell us before he adds to? He says to seek the kingdom of heaven. You with me? He says to seek the kingdom of heaven. What's that mean? It means you're stepping through the gates of righteousness. It means that you're stepping into everything that God is and you're choosing everything that God represents. You are thinking on him with your entire existence. And when you do, he says, I'll add these things to you. Amen? Everyone wants to talk about the, the prosperity gospel all came out of Jabez. Right, remember, remember probably about 20 years ago when everyone was doing a Jabez Bible study and it was all about enlarging my territory and everything else like that? It wasn't about the land, sweetheart. It wasn't about the bank account, sweetheart. What was it about? It was about your spirituality. It was about your righteousness. It was about the power of God. Brought, enlarge my territory, amen? My, enlarge how I think about you, God. Enlarge what I want about you, God. Enlarge that territory. Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all, not some, not a little bit, all these things shall be added to you. God is the Lord which has showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even under the horns of the altar. Let us fall before him in all that we do. Let us be humble and let us see our faults and let us place them at his feet because he has redeemed us from them. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, and I will exalt, that, exalt thee. Repeat that after me. Thou art my God. No, 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 no. Okay, wake up. Pretend you had more coffee since I started. Thou art my God. Claim it. And I will praise thee. Thou art my God, and I will exalt thee. Amen. Open your gates. And let me step in. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever.